When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Taxes and fees. Mackie and Judd right about now. Kenny, uh, Bon Jovi or Garth Brooks? <laughs> you know what? It's a lot of fun trolling people about music, but nobody's more fun to troll than John Hyde. <laughs> oh, I agree. When he gets oh, in here. Phil's a master he, at it. When he gets in here this morning, just bring him in and just start augering away at him. We like to wait until, you know, when we think Johnny might be commuting in, so we wait an hour, when two hours listening. in the show, yeah. and then we start... <laughs> For me, it's it's, it's not even trolling. In. I'm just talking about my favorite bands, which are Bon Jovi and Journey. Ario Speedwagon, Get Up High. <laughs> oh, that's just awful. Awful bands, but save it for Johnny Height. It's time for us to fly, Kenny, into the opening <laughs> bye, bell. Bye, Traffic Daddy. Ding. A drive to right field. Castellanos going back. Gone. A grand slam for A-Ray Adrianza. Ah. One and two. Uh-oh. Oh, that didn't look good. Uh-oh. That's that bicep. Yep. That Uh-oh. did not look good at all. He's just He's walking He's walking away. off the field. Here comes Doug Teeter to take a look. Yeah. And Cabrera's just simply going to walk back yeah. into the clubhouse. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. Immediately, he dropped the bat, and you could tell right away he was done. Yeah, bicep tendon rupture. It's going to be surgical. It'll be season-ending, um, um, and that will all be done here in the next few days. The doctors are all getting all that stuff together, but definitely a big blow for our ball club. And then Guardy slammed 11 beers. <laughs> He's going to battle his tail off, though, to come back oh someday. Oh, my God. Someday. That looked really gross. Yeah, I mean, like, he did anything any- involving like rupture yes. tendons and stuff, and and you could uh, sort of tell that it wasn't just your normal like strain or something. Yeah, I don't know. It looked really bad. So right away. you're gonna judge Zolgad. You're gonna get to choose your own adventure here in the opening bell today. Oh, good. Would you like to spend the time talking about Ira Adrianza, the biggest hit of the season for him, his red hot bat, and the Twins winning a a game to uh, pull closer in the AL Central? Oh, boy, yeah. Or do you want to hear me doubling down on why the Twins should go hard after Manny Machado this offseason? Well, I'll take door two, but actually door three would, would be the, the most preferable to me, which would be a, a discussion of bullpen carts. Fernando Rodney rode <laughs> okay. the bullpen cart in. Well, go ahead then. <laughs> Fernando Rodney rode. Dave St. Peter, what are you doing? What are you doing? Get Just a bullpen a pitch cart. here in Detroit, and he decided to take the bullpen cart. Yes! Most of the way to the mound. So much for Gordado and his, uh, I'm going to whoop your buns. Rodney is the only pitcher who's actually older than Eddie Gordado, I think. (laughs) So this is... (laughs) (laughs) And Rodney, who knows, he may have ridden in a a bullpen cart early in his career. He's been at this for a while. Yes, he (laughs) has. I've been trying to get this damn thing since 2011. 
They're they are now back in baseball. Dave, what are you doing to this me? This is why you need non-disclosure agreements when your conversations. When you talk about innovative ideas and hey, I got this business idea. You got to get these people to sign pieces of paper so they can't steal your ideas. I just don't understand why. After I have been on this thing for now seven years. And Arizona's got it. Detroit, it's coming back. Why don't the Twins get a bullpen guard? Here's my biggest problem. You're in Detroit, the home of automotive ingenuity in this country. And that's the best you can do for a bullpen cart? Get GM on the case, for God's sake. All you took was a simple golf cart. Oh, let's put a little flame design on it. You didn't even put the tiger hat on or a little, you know, a, a depiction of an actual tiger. Nothing. You got the same easy go golf cart. Just a little, let's put a couple flames on it. Good enough for us. We're Detroit. Yeah. Maybe the, the maybe the flames were representative of the organization current state. <laughs> or the bullpen itself. Yeah. Or that. God. <laughs> We're going to blow things up. DSP, do better than that if we do get that card to target field. Just yeah. do it already, so, damn it. Uh, so the, the Twins are already... So we're past the early adoption stage here, right? The Twins have to... Uh, Wait for other teams to get in. So do we know when the Twins are going to have their own bullpen card? Has there been no. any chatter? No. You have an email with Dave St. Peter uh, yes, lately about uh, yes. this? Uh, uh, when the Diamondbacks announced that they were going to it in the spring... Uh, the Star Tribune had a note which quoted Dave as saying, we're examining the option, potentially. But come on, what's the option? What's the option? You get a golf cart, well, you get a big trying Twins to find hat. sponsorships for it, right? Which shouldn't be that hard. I mean, they put, there's literally us? like signs everywhere on that ballpark. I'll sign us up. The 1500 ESPN bullpen card, Mackie and Judd, our oh, show. Oh, we're going to pay we'll money spo- for that? We'll yeah, sponsor okay. it. That sounds like a great idea. Why don't you run that to management? Seven <laughs> years of trying to get this thing done. You've eliminated the Metropolitan Club. You've, you basically have scrubbed your entire stadium of the, of the Met Stadium stuff that you had. All right, how about just let's compromise? Here's the idea. That's all. Sponsored, keep the sponsorship in-house. The bullpen cart brought to you by Batten Barrel, where no one's going to drink, but you should. And enjoy that $59 steak. I sort of like that idea. I sort of like that idea. All right, door number two. I'll take door no- number All right. two. All right, are you sure you don't want door number one? I no, I don't. No, no. Granny last no, night. No, no, no. You know why I don't? Starting shortstop. You, you know why I don't? Because he he is the employee that you always think is about to get let go or fired. And every time... You, you're like, all right, that's it. That bonehead is going to get fired. He does something to re- redeem himself. He's the guy. He's the guy that you work with. That you're always thinking that's the final straw. Grand slam. He's been pretty hot lately, though. He has Maybe been he's got like three home here. runs this month. <laughs> all right, so door number two. So I feel like I, I saw this commentary all over the interwebs last night. Uh, the, like the first thing that people pulled after the Miguel Cabrera catastrophic season-ending injury was. How much money is left on his contract? And the answer is after this year, which is like thirty million. So they're paying him another what fifteen or twenty million for this year. Uh, he's owed another one hundred fifty million dollars over the next five years. He's broken down. It's two straight years of injuries and uh, subpar productivity. Despite that bad contract and the fear of bad contracts in baseball, I want to continue to build on it. It's not just my case. It's our case. It's the Mackie and Judd show. We are Manny Machado innovators here. Doogie brought up the idea first. I think we've sort of taken the idea from him and we've expanded on it. All right. And I just want to... Which, like, how many contracts of nine or ten years do you really look at and say, well, that worked out well, right? So this is... I want to paint a picture of why the Twins shouldn't flinch at offering Manny Machado like $25, $30 million a year 
for a decade, okay? All right. Most of the time, you sign a guy to a 10-year contract, it's a huge mistake because the money's guaranteed. But I think that's because teams aren't looking at the right checklist of items. I think there's four items. If you check the four boxes that are needed, and if you don't check all four boxes, you shouldn't sign that play. Robinson Cano, Albert Pujols, uh, Miguel Cabrera. If you can't check the four correct boxes and criteria, uh-huh. then you shouldn't sign that player to the contract, okay? And this is besides productivity. Let's just assume that the players in right. question are productive, okay? Deserve the contract at the time that they get them. Yes. So, All right. so box number one would be age. Once a player in baseball hits 34, 35 years old, all bets are off. Now, some guys are productive until they're 38, 39. Adrian Beltre has been productive for like 18 years. The guy's 38 years old. He's a physical specimen. And uh, just just recently as he started to kind of break down. But even though he's hitting 300 on a regular basis. But once a player turns 34 or 35, all bets are off. Miguel Cabrera is 35 years old. And the Tigers are going to pay him until he's 40 years old. That's on them. So they signed up for ages 35 through 40. Mm-hmm. Manny Machado is 25 years old. His best years are still ahead of him. If you look at a baseball, sort of a, a, a when players peak and when their prime years are, 25-26, you're entering it. And a 10-year contract would take him up to that sort of mid-30s cliff, not over it. So you wouldn't be committing to the worst years of a player's career he'd historically. He'd fall short right? of, yes. Correct. 40 years old. Because he's going to turn 26 in July. So July you'd, you'd have him signed through his age 35 season on a 10-year contract. All right. Okay. Check. Let's check number so one. age is not a huge problem here. Check mark number two. What position does the player play? If you're signing a pitcher or a catcher, and this is the mistake they made with Joe Maurer, pitchers and catchers are dangerous because arms can fall off. If you have an elbow twinge, it could basically derail your career, right? If you have shoulder surgery, it could derail your career. Uh, Glenn Perkins, Dallas Braden, guys like that, although they didn't sign bad contracts. But at any given time, your arm can give out if you're a pitcher. Catchers, once they hit about 31 years old, it's kind of over for them. Like They start to deteriorate. And I would even say outfielders because speed deteriorates in your late 20s. So if you're going to sign a guy up who's a center fielder, well, is he going to be 35 at the end of the contract? He loses his speed. Machado plays third base. So the risk of a career-ending or altering injury is far lower. Speed deteriorating doesn't matter as much at third base or any corner spot, you know, first or third base in the infield. Check. Not a pitcher, not a catcher, not an outfielder who's going to have to rely on staying in center field. He plays third base, so that's two check marks. How about number three here? Physical shape and uh, injury history. So have you been banged up previously? Uh, do you have conditions? Are you... 300 pounds. Cabrera's a big guy. Prince Pujols was Prince a big guy. Fielder was massive, right? Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, Pujols had foot issues even in St. Louis. Joe Maurer had kind of back and knee issues. You know, what do you what, what what kind of physical shape are you in, and what's your injury history? Well, Miguel Cabrera, let's be honest, not the fittest guy, right? Like he's not Miguel no, Cabrera's yeah. not exactly on no, the. He's been big before too. On the whole thirty, he's been big. Yep. Uh, Manny Machado, su- supreme physical condition. Outside of a, a knee issue like four years ago, the, the dude never misses games, and he is between eighty and a hundred pounds lighter than Miguel Sano at the same position. He's like a full human lighter than Miguel Sano. So <laughs> check that box as well. All right, that's three. Boxes and and then the fourth one again. If you can't check all four of these boxes, don't sign players to nine or ten year contracts. Age, position, what kind of physical shape, injury history. And the fourth one would just be work ethic, leadership. Is the guy going to sign and then get lazy? Like Delman Young, is he going to show up one time and not show up? You know, is he going to 
stay out till two o'clock in the morning when he should be working on uh, his care, game, right? basically. You don't want a dud, yes. Yeah. And whether it's people in the clubhouse or Buck Showalter, stories written, people rave about Manny Machado's work ethic. I, what I'm telling you is, I don't think there's much risk here. I think you can get rid of the risk if you check these four boxes, and someone's gonna pay, someone's gonna pay him for nine or ten years. And the Twins have already shown, Absolutely hey, we will. offered a nine-figure contract to you, Darvish. Mm-hmm. I say go a step further. The risk is so much less for a 25-, 26-year-old position player at a position that that doesn't have a ton of risk in terms of attrition, catcher, uh, outfield. I'm in on this. And I think, the age thing, I think he checks all four of these boxes. The age thing is intriguing. Because the the fact that if you send him to a ten year contract, his uh, his contract would end at th- thirty six to me is a huge deal. Be- and and the tiger now the tigers they did their contracts because their own owner was essentially near death, and they and he said I don't care, I'm trying to to win. And if you win a World Series, it's worth it. So if you sign a guy for ten years and you get a World Series, it's a good investment. But the Machado thing is intriguing because of of the fact too that. If you're going to have that contract end at 36, and when you consider, too, how many times are the Twins going to put themselves in a realistic position to pursue a player like this? And the answer is not a lot. But when you consider Maurer off the books, Lomo, Lance Lynn, Dozier, you are going to be, for, for one of the rare times, this franchise is going to be in a position where if they at least want to get competitive in that market, they can I mean, so it, it think, is intriguing. Think about this. It is intriguing. Think I about this, dismiss it. this infield for the next, I don't know, six to ten years. Manny Machado at third base. Royce Lewis at shortstop. Number one overall pick. Nick Gordon at second base. I mean, whoever the hell you want. Miguel Sano at first base, I guess. Or whoever wants first base. Maybe Brent Rooker is a first baseman. If Byron Buxton figures it out, he's your center fielder. You got Eddie Rosario, going to be an all-star this year. Kepler Max probably, Kepler, right? Yeah. I mean, think about you got how some many problems he, he fixes. True. Yeah. And you're, it, it's going to have to be like a 250 or $300 million contract. I like contract. And I, checklist. And ordinarily, when you're talking about a 250 or $300 million contract in baseball, 95% of the time, do not do it. Do not, do not cross that bridge. I think he's the 5%. I think he's the type of guy, his, it's a perfect storm of age, position, the shape he's in, the work ethic, everything, the productivity, you, you've eliminated so much of the risk by not paying a guy when he's 38 years old. Mm-hmm. I would be in on it. I like I like it. Mm-hmm. Four points, all good. And yeah, now, and plus, because he, he, now he's a back, he's back at short this year, correct? Didn't he's been, he's bounced back, back to and short forth stuff, a little bit the but last he two or play, three years. But he, he's played third. Third base is his long-term position. I, I just go back to the point of this is this is going to be one of the rare times that if you're the twins and you want to pursue a player like this you absolutely can you absolutely can yeah and how many times are you gonna and, and i get it like they've never really done this in the past but this is a new front office that just showed you and they and they came up short and it probably probably a good thing because you darvish has been a disaster in chicago but they've they've shown you and I've confirmed this behind the scenes too. They offered a nine-figure, one hundred plus million dollar contract to a thirty-year-old pitcher. I'd rather do it for this guy, for yeah, sure, absolutely, than a pitcher. Um, the Twins made another move yesterday that people are not too happy about. We can talk about that uh, this hour. Brian Murphy will join us from Detroit. We can talk some Twins and other things with our friend from the Pioneer Press. We've got home run, write that down predictions today. 
It's been a couple months since we've done these. I'm excited Forced to have home back. run predictions. Yes, we do. And uh, Dan Hayes also on Twins. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Hang on a second. On 1500 ESPN. We now continue with more Mackie and Judd live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Down to third. Oh boy, here we go. Manny Machado. Delivery got a hold of that one way back in left field. The question is how far? Manny's answer, goodbye home run. Machado delivers the long ball. I got more on that for you later like in the show. It. Yeah. But uh, wouldn't that That's sound good. fun if that was instead of uh, Gary Thorne? Your four-point plan is good. As long as you're I checking like those boxes, aren't you eliminating most of the risk? We can get back to this later. But just real quick again, like if you're thinking about a 10-year contract for a baseball player, and your initial instinct correctly is, oh, God, no, 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 no. That's guaranteed money, and those always turn out terribly. Yep, and they do. Okay. Well, let's start to eliminate the risk. Age, don't sign a guy when he's 30 to a 10-year contract. If he's 25, okay, now you're paying for prime years. Uh, position, don't sign a pitcher to a 10-year contract. His elbow could blow out in year three. Don't sign a catcher to a 10-year contract. Catchers are worthless after, like, age 32. Uh, outfielders, their speed deteriorates in their late 20s. So, if, But if he plays third base or second base... Okay. Right. Okay. Are, are they in good shape? Do they have good yeah, leadership don't, qualities don't, and work ethic? Don't sign fat guys. Yeah. Is it Prince Fielder? Where, hey, Number I'm a, three. I'm a vegan now, and I only drink ranch dressing for my I don't, chaser. I don't mean to be mean about this, but I read the story about him him uh, becoming a v- vegan years ago, and I remember thinking, man, the next time I see him, he's going to look dramatically different. No. He looked like the same exact guy. Yeah. He stayed as big as he was before. Yeah, I use syrup. I never understood I that I use one. syrup for salad dressing now. It's great. I've gone on a massive <laughs> diet and have not lost a pound. Let me tell you, I'm looking great. <laughs> Uh, the other, so that's the move that we want the Twins to make in the offseason. Go throw a ton of money at Manny Machado, and I would pay him for 10 years, and I wouldn't flinch or blink. Uh, the other move the Twins made yesterday, Matt Belisle is yes. back in the fold here. He was with the Indians for a minute earlier this year, and uh, between their AAA and Major League Club, he's 38 years old now. He, okay, how do you feel about this? Because Alan Buzinitz has like a .3 ERA in AAA, had a 1.9-something ERA for the Twins last year. He's still at Rochester. The Twins have cited a lack of leadership in the clubhouse yeah, as I, the main reason why Matt Belisle's back. When I saw this initially, I said, what the hell is this? Like, why bother? But then uh, Doogie, our buddy, tweeted last night that he was actually off on Tuesday, but he insided because he, he was so curious. And what he oh, guy never, what never he takes tweeted, a break, man. The, what scoops, our, the scoops never stop. What our scoop master tweeted was the buzzword from multiple parties has been leadership. And then he says, I'm, I'm curious now to find out what has been broken about previous le- leadership, which is something tough to quantify. And it got and it got me thinking down this road. And I think I get it now. In 2015 into 16, Tory retired, and there was no question that Tory in 2015 made a difference on and off, but more importantly, off the field with a group of players. And some people got it, and some people don't, and he does for sure. The thing that struck me about last year then, because 2016 was a train wreck, the thing that I really felt about last year was there was at least one guy to me that you, and he didn't play that much, but he made a difference. Jimenez did. But Belial did too, I think. 
And I think if Falvey and company made a miscalculation, they let both those guys go. And I will give you I will give you a story from last week that was it's a small thing, but it instantly struck me as far as, as observing the human condition. The twins lose to, to the White Sox, and we, we go downstairs afterwards, walk in the clubhouse. Eduardo Escobar, who's been playing fantastic, who, one, is a great guy, but two, he's been playing fantastic. He's at his locker. Golden State had played Cleveland that night, and Eduardo Escobar is putting a Steph Curry jersey on, and he's laughing, and there's not a lot of guys around, but he's, you know, chuckling and ha- having a good time. And then he was given, if you recall last year, he was given a horse on a stick, basically, horse head. And he loves it. Don't know why, but he does. And that's fine. It's great. So the horse, though, neighs. It's got a button or something that, that you push and it goes, eh. Well, it, what, what, what sound it goes, does it make? Eh. So he either pushes it. Or it goes okay. off. I can see why players would be annoyed if okay. that's the exact sound it makes, but okay. But anyway, but there's about one or two guys on his side of the clubhouse. And he either pushes it or it just goes off like three times. And it's amusing. It's not that loud. And a veteran player across the way from Escobar turns around and glares like, how dare you after a loss? How dare this happen? Wow. And I go back and I go back to what Tori always said in 2015, which is we play far too many damn games to be get, getting upset about individual defeats. And I'm thinking to myself, sometimes I think people that we assume veterans who who want to lead or think they can lead aren't necessarily great at that. Do you care to say which veteran player it was? It was a pitcher. I'll okay. just say that. Because I it wasn't I, Matt Belial, was it? It was not Matt Belial. Okay. It was not back yet. It could have been Matt Belial. <laughs> if we guess, will you tell us? Oh, I don't guess. Sure, go ahead. Oh, then just tell us. I don't want to guess. Okay, then no. It was a veteran pitcher. All right. <laughs> I don't want to throw this guy. Who was throwing that? Day? I Who was started? observing. Uh, it might have been the doubleheader. So it it might have been the kid that they had just called up. Oh, uh, from I don't think. You, I don't want to. But it was. I don't want to put you in a spot if you feel like wanna, it's not. I don't want to throw this guy. But the point is not the player. The point is this is a situation where I think we have I think there are certain things about this team and the roster construction on the field and off that have reverted back to 2016 and and when you look at a guy like Jimenez or Belial they might not be that important as far as as what they contribute on a daily basis on the field but where I think they are key is They've got that certain ability to know what's important and what's not. Well, uh, but I'll even, okay, so I agree with the leadership stuff. And um, I think this front office is still in the mode, even though they, you know, their their stated goal was to get back to the playoffs. And it looks like that's a long shot at this point. But their big picture goal, because they're only in year two here, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, is to continue building and setting new habits, organizational habits, and instilling better leadership because you don't deteriorate to become a perennial 90 loss team just because you have subpar players. I mean, it's more than that. It's subpar players. It's lack of leadership throughout the organization. So um, it's a, it's not as simple as snap your fingers and make a trade and sign a free agent. I mean, it's a cultural organizational problem that permeated for the last four or five, maybe six years of Terry Ryan's, uh, rain here and, and, goes and the Smith, entire thing for sure. Like and that entire why, franchise. And that's why they've made so many changes behind the scenes over the past couple of years. So yes. I think, so I think just from a from a 
leadership perspective, Matt Belisle was one of their guys last year. But could I present to you Matt Belisle as a pitcher from June 14th through the end of the season last year, which coincidentally June 14th is tomorrow. So maybe they maybe they waited precisely for the moment that I they re- thought Matt Belisle I recall was going to take too. off, right? Yes. Um, he pitched 38 and a third innings from June 14th until the end of the year. Care to take a stab at what his ERA was over that stretch? So June 14th on, because he got really good. Um, I'm going to put it in at... Uh, don't think too hard. Just throw a number out. Mid twos. 1.41. See, there you go. And opponents hit 187 off of him with a 238 on base and just a 306 slugging percentage. He was one of the best relievers in baseball from June 14th until the end of the year. And so I I find the outrage a little bit misplaced. Yes, he was horrible the first part of the year. And do I think Matt Belisle at age 38 is going to come in and just be one of the best relievers? No, I don't. But it's easy with relievers to just get fixated on early season struggles and what their earned run average is. Because if you give up a few crooked number, you, you hang a four spot or a five spot in April, guess what? You're not going to finish the year with an ERA below four. And he was bad. It's not going to happen. Yes. yes. Um, so I think there's value just in terms of bringing him in as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. And if they think there's leadership qualities on top of it, I'm going to defend the Matt Belisle move from yesterday. I, I just, I think we, we've now become so fixated on, on statistics and and numbers now, and they're important, but I think what we forget is the actual construction of a, a franchise and a roster goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. And it, that's true in hockey, that's true in basketball, it's true in all sports. And, and so if you put together, if you just say, we're going to get the best possible players we can, and we're going to promote a guy from AAA who, who's hot, I think what that does sometimes is that forgets the importance of the human factor of actually putting together a roster where where you not only have good competent players but players who can work together. Yeah. What was the sound that uh, horse had? Yeah. yeah. I would I would shoot a glance over there too. Actually. Oh, then you'd be no that fun. Thing, put that thing away. I like it. Um, they don't do dance parties anymore, do they? Did you see who stole it last night? It was tweeted excitedly that a team is doing this now. Well, there's been a bunch that have done it. Well, the White- Astros and Cubs were doing it before the Twins. The White Sox now. Okay. The White Sox are now. They're just trying to have fun. But the Twins are... Why, why did the I Twins stop with the dance parties? I don't know that they did for sure. Hmm. I'm not sure if, if they stopped or if it just became the norm and so we got tired of talking about it. Okay. Because they brought in all that stuff to do it. They got brought in the smoke machines. They brought they in the, more, more than one smoke machine, right? Multiple yeah. smoke machines. That wasn't cheap. I mean, really, like, what's the point of bringing Tory Hunter back to the organization if he's not your director of dance, dance party shenanigans after games? Uh, Brian Murphy, we can talk to him about more than just twins. He'll join us from Detroit. He's covering the series. He's from Detroit, so he's uh, he's doing family and work. And we can talk to him from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back. ESPN. How? Bill Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You two are just dumber than a bag of hammers. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. A drive to right field. Castellanos going back. Gone. A grand slam for Aray Adrianza. <laughs> One and two. Uh-oh. Oh, that didn't look good. Uh-oh. That's that bicep. Yep. That Uh-oh. did not look good at all. He's just He's walking, walking off the field. Here comes Doug Teeter to take a look. Yeah. And Cabrera's just simply going to walk back. 
Yeah. Into the clubhouse. Oh, my goodness. Immediately, he dropped the bat, and you could tell right away he was done. He had bicep tendon rupture. It's going to be surgical. It'll be season-ending. Um, um, and that will all be done here in the next few days. The doctors are all getting all that stuff together, but definitely a big blow for our ball club. I did see a – there was a guardy – what's the word here? Because you, you've been th- through this before, Phil. There was a guardy slight dust-up. Because somebody asked him about why mm. he didn't bring in a reliever, and this is where oh, Gardy I know, it's that I know, and I w- hates and it. I didn't. Oh my god, I didn't hear it, but I uh, someone tweeted the quotes, and so and it was a logical question. It was you've got a guy that you ordinarily bring in, in but I think the kid had pitched quite a bit of late, mm-hmm. and Gardy. You can always tell when when the hair on the back of Gardy's neck stands up. Yeah, well, because we've I'm not going to use the kid that much, yeah. but it's funny because. Gardy's such a good guy that I think I think when when that happens for like the first or second time, the press in that town is genuinely surprised because you're like, oh, Gardy will answer anything, mm-hmm. you know, because ordinarily he'll talk about guys being hurt. But you push the right button with Gardy, and you can tell the quotes are like, I'm not going to abuse him. God, so man, I and you've been down that. I path. love Ron Gardner, and I loved. I guess working with is probably the wrong way to phrase it, but it's like when you're when you cover a baseball beat, unlike some of the other sports, it's every day and you're there once or twice. You have a pregame press conference with the manager and a postgame press conference, and you wind up spending more time with those people than you do sometimes your family. And so it's kind of a delicate walk because you definitely want to preserve relationships in that job, but you also have to hold people accountable. And it's it's a really it can be a grind and it's a it's an interesting media job, to say the least. Yeah. And I found myself so <laughs> torn. And I covered that beat for three years and did some traveling um, at the beginning of the 1500 ESPN run from like 2010 going forward. And I, and I, this balance I was trying to strike between, I really like him and he's on our radio show all the time with Royce and Mackey and, and uh, just he's a good guy and he's a really smart baseball guy. But he, he, you know, he certainly wasn't above criticism and he was so bad at, if you were if you questioned something that happened, whether you were being critical of it or you just wanted an explanation why, it was really hard to ask him because he would get super defensive because he would take the stance of and Tom Kelly, I guess uh, I'd heard from people who covered him could be a little bit like this too, where oh yeah, and rightfully yeah. so, like yes. I've played major league baseball and I don't know nearly as much about baseball as you, but I have a question as an observer about something that happened and and to ask that question to Ron Gardenhire without getting your head ripped off for questioning the expertise of somebody who's smarter than you is always a delicate dance. And I remember one time um, it was a road trip and I wasn't on it. So I was watching this. So what mis- mistake number one in his eyes was, well, you're not even here. How are you questioning this in article form if you're not even here? It's like, well, I don't, it's not my fault. Right. They're not traveling me to every road trip. And you are watching the game. Yes. I glued it's to every like game. like you're drunk during the game. Right. And, I- and I remember uh, the Twins were playing the Rays in 2010. They got off to a really hot start, the Twins did. They started that season, I think, 13-3. and three, something. They started red hot. But then they kind of plateaued for a couple months until they got hot later in the year again. And it was during that plateau period where they started to get a little bit... They, they lost some games against teams, and they did some things late in games that I... You just... If you're gonna, if your goal is to win the World Series after multiple years of contending and not doing anything in the playoffs, I'm like, this is, and this was an example. And I remember this because I wrote an article about this and then heard about it very shortly after from Florida, even though I was in Minnesota. So they're playing at the trap and the twins were up two to one 
late in the game against the Rays. I think it was the eighth inning. And the Rays must have started a left-handed pitcher because it might have even been like David Price was starting the game. But uh, Tommy and Kubel were both not in the starting lineup, but were available to come off the bench in a pinch-hitting spot. And so the the ninth spot in the order comes up. The Twins are down by one. It's like the eighth inning. And I believe there was a runner on second, the tying run on second for the Twins with zero or one out. I think it was like one out. All right. And Drew Butera comes up to the plate. And I'm thinking, you cannot let him hit in this spot. He's the worst hitter in baseball that's not a pitcher. Mm-hmm. You absolutely cannot let him hit in this spot. It's just, it's with Kubel and Tomey available off, like you have a Hall of Fame hitter available yeah, on the you, bench right now. Yes. And you've, you just, your backup catcher is going to have to come in, but you've got, you've got, you got to take Drew Butera of the game. And he lets Butera hit, and Butera hits a weak ground ball or something, and then, and then the inning winds up. Fizzling or and there might even been two outs. Whatever the inning fizzles, and so I wrote a piece like you can't. If these guys were available, you can't have this spot in the order come up and like leave Jim Tomey on the bench for Drew Butera. What are you thinking? And he went through a PR person, but the PR person called me and was like, "Hey, Guardy's just really, really oh, unhappy with your article. The and, worst. And he just wants you to know that first of all, like you're taking, you're criticizing from four hour, you know, four hour flight away, blah blah blah." And and I said, "Well, what? What's his criticism? That he that Drew Butera was the best hitter to hit in that spot?" And he goes, "Well," and he was he was being kind of flippant on behalf of Guardy. He's like, "Well, what do you think's going to happen if Jim Tomey comes up?" They're gonna walk him anyways. So now you're taking the bat out of his hands anyways. So like if they're just gonna put him, they're gonna put him on first base anyways. And I'm like, and I and I and I responded back. I said, all right, let's go down that path. Since I'm arguing with a manager through a PR person right now, yeah. let's go down that path, okay? Yeah. Who's up next after Jim Tomey draws a walk or Jason Kubel draws a walk? Uh, Denard Span. What's Denard Span's batting average compared to Drew Butera's batting? So average? it's been a productive it's like hundred plus points. So now at least you've put. A much better hitter at the plate with the tying run on second base, and we just kind of agreed that okay, we'll just agree to disagree. But I just found it funny that I don't know. This isn't to shred Guardy, but that's no, but definitely that, a thing with him where he has a hard time handling criticism. You see, TK in TK's prime with Twins, I don't think he necessarily was friends with most of the the folks in our business. Like Dark Star, he was, and I think he liked Patrick. But he would battle with the beat guys. But that's fine then, because then then you you know the price of poker. And if he gets mad, he gets mad. And it, it's not surprising. Where Cardi is difficult, though, is he's such a good guy. And I think he thinks because he, he's a good guy th- that he's going to uh, consistently get you to give him the be- benefit of the doubt, which yeah. at times is true. Yeah. But it can't be every time. But it is. Especially it, when you have how many games? One, 162 that, times two minutes. You're literally meeting with the media like 300 Plus time but that is that is one of the most difficult things in our business of establishing a relationship with a coach is is they have to know that at some point in time you're going to have to question them. I mean, when when Childress signed off on Moss, I had no alternative. I like Brad. Brad looked like me until then. But when he signed off on Moss and then released Moss after less than one month, guess what? What am I going to do? <laughs> You got to, you know, children. Unless you're Sid, you're going to say, that was a really bad move. And I'll never forget a PR. uh, So I went to Childress's house uh, before 2010 to do a story and got great access. And we sat down and, and relaxed. He was a good guy. 
But I'll never forget, after the entire Moss thing blew up and right before he got fired, his wife, through a PR person, sent me a note. Basically <laughs> basically saying, basically with, with a USA Today, with an article defending Brad from USA Today, and her note said, this person wasn't invited into our house. You were. And to treat him. And it was this scathing thing. Uh, and, this uh, person. Uh, and, it was, uh, and his wife was a great person, too. But that's the thing about sports. It's so funny because you're trying to, to cover these people fairly. Did you eat a home-cooked meal in the children's house? No. Okay. I no. was going to say, because if you did, I did that's, not eat that's a home-cooked backstabbing. Meal. No, Judd. no. I went and sat at their kitchen table and talked to them, and they were very nice. And it was a relaxed summer day. But that's the tough thing about this business is is you need to establish a, a relationship. And with a guy like Gartenhire, it's great that he's a good guy. But if he doesn't use a pitcher who he ordinarily w- would use, and he probably should have, it's really hard to be like, well, I'm not going to question that at all. Yeah, and I'll and I guess you know in that spot for the the Tampa Bay story, I guess what I would have been looking for as an outside observer who wasn't there covering the game would have been, oh, Kubel and Tommy were both hurt or something, and. We just didn't make it public. They weren't available. Like, okay, then that's my fault. I wasn't there. Right. You were and I, yep. I assumed something. And I just chose to pick apart the strategy of it. But then, like, when when you don't think two or three steps ahead, and a, and literally, like, a guy on his couch is able to correctly second I guess like that, in that though. spot. <laughs> they would have just walked told me. What good would that have done? Like, right. Well, you would have well, gotten to Denard Span, who would have had a much better chance to get a hit than yeah, you would have. A guy who's hitting a buck sixty, and you would have doubled your chances with a guy All hitting I almost three hundred. Is Mike. Redmond batted third all the time <laughs> in day games. Yes. But don't dare question it. Don't dare question it. We found Guardy from last night. This was the question, and this oh, was no. the Guardy response. Okay. After Coleman maybe going Jimenez for four outs no, instead of no. winning. Well, how many games do you want Jimenez to pitch in, and how many innings do you want him to pitch in? He's the eighth, he's the eighth inning guy. Understand that. I mean, I'm not going to kill this kid. I know, I know what you're saying. I could let him get four outs. I could have brought him in and let him get one out and then pitch somebody else the ace, but it would have been the same guy. So you, you can have this argument all the time. We've tried that a couple times. If we have a lead, you know, yes, I would think about that. We've talked about that. We've done that earlier. But how many appearances does he already have where he's going to go multiple innings? You can't do that to this young man. But does it change the fact that he... Dude, he's so defensive, Does that man. sound familiar? But how do you ask that? If, if you know he's on the edge of ripping your head off, which he 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 was fairly calm, but like... His demeanor is ready. He's ready to explode oh, no, if you look at his face. Yeah, he's mad. And I think some of that stuff didn't make Fox Sports North, or he he would do that, and and uh, they maybe cut they'd like cut the interview on TV before oh, it got yeah, to that course. point. <laughs> now back to Hanny. Poor Hanny. And it doesn't take away from the fact that ordinarily ninety percent of the time he's a really good guy, but the ten percent where he can but that's get really combative or or you ask a logical question, and in his mind, it's just. Like an insult to his baseball career. That's exactly what it is. It's like, yeah. No, dude, it's not. It's not. We're just trying to figure out and get to the bottom of it. No, Boy, those are fl- Gardy giving us flashbacks no, last night. No, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Yeah, On fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. All right, people, let's get ready. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on fifteen hundred ESPN. Think you know who will win the U.S. Open? You can prove it. Prove your golf smarts by signing up for 1500 ESPN's Major Fantasy Golf Challenge. And if you've already signed up and played, well, just sign in again and make those picks. Select your players from the featured groups 
Watch the field unfold. Correctly choosing your players could win you a golf trip for four up to Craigans. You have to make your picks before 6.55 a.m. tomorrow morning. So get it done today. Don't wait for the morning. Yeah, do that to be entered and head to 1500ESPN.com. That's where you go to sign hmm. up. Judge, did you figure out how to log into a website? Yes, I did. I'm okay. all signed up now. Nice. I signed. I uh, had goofed up my password, and uh, I found the correct one. I did not pick your guy. I believe he wasn't until like group five, right, Tiger? Yeah, he's not very high in the world rankings, so group I think five that's kind of how the groupings are. So I did not pick your guy, though. But I did get back in there. and Because uh, that was a big oh, fiasco the way, on the show yesterday. Judd derailing a promotion post-show as well. We were really trying to work hard. I did not not realize this until informed post-show. Among staffers, guess who leads? Probably in the golf? me. Nope, me. Dang it. I am right ahead of you. Oh, you must have done very well on the uh, uh, the players then. And I must have. And, and Royce did great in the Masters. But, I did better. I but, was leading the, ma- after well, the Masters. And Pat, so give me credit. And Pat said, I picked the winner. I picked the second place guy and the fourth place guy. And when I didn't lead, I decided, bleep it, I'm quitting. Wait, so you and picked so the Did you nail the... F- you had a better score in the Masters than first, second, and fourth. Yeah, well, I mean, you that must may have, may have been hyperbole points. from Pat. But yes, okay. I was like very high among everybody that played. I was right near the top. I, and I'm not saying I'm a golf savant. I got lucky, let's be honest. But uh, yeah, that sounds like typical Pat. Didn't go my it way. Didn't go my so way. I quit. So, yes. I, so I didn't do that. You got I Kevin didn't. Seifert on the phone. Let's try him again. <laughs> <laughs> Bleep it, Mackie! It's your segment. The fact he put the fact he put his mic down and just shrugged, and that was it. Is one of my all time favorite Royce. I so wish I had been there to see that. It is amazing. Yeah, I'm uh, done. Uh, question from Matt off our twin stuff here: Do the leadership comments regarding Belial, along with their lack of negotiation of a new deal for Dozier, show that the front office doesn't feel Dozier is a good leader? What do you think? Um, I think there's something. I think there's something there. There. I think there's something there, and I think it's. And, and how can I put this delicately? I think that Brian wants to lead, but it, let's let's look for for things that tip us off to the fact that in 2018 he might not be the perfect guy to do so. And let's go back to Baltimore. His meltdown in Baltimore about the bunt. That's not how baseball's played. I talked to the. That's really old school. That's re- and you know what? In 1975, Brian Dozier might have been the perfect guy to to be a captain of your club. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think he he is now. That doesn't make him a bad guy or a bad player. Uh, but yeah, I think Brian, I think Brian looked at Tory in 2015 and thought, I'm just going to take notes. It's not that simple. It's a you can't. I've always said this. You can't walk into a clubhouse and say, "Boys, I'm your guy." You either have it, and it is hard to do. But you have it or you don't. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that Brian can't help lead. Um, but you know what? Now, now that he's gone, let's tell the Hughes story from spring training in 2016. Phil Hughes came up and joined us, and and you know what? Phil is a pretty, as far as I could deduct, no BS guy. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking to Phil. I'm trying to remember which story this is. And this Phil, is, Phil doesn't want to talk. For this. And Phil doesn't want to talk much baseball, and that's fine because we talked hockey and talked life and things and it was great but during the commercial break after that i think we were talking to phil off the air and said oh uh dozier had joined us the day before i think and so dozier had basically said tory's gone and i'm taking the mantle or something like that and i just 
in passing said that to Phil because I thought he'd, he'd be like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. And he said, oh, so Brian's d- decided that, huh? Wow. And it right. was it was he basically so Brian's decided he's the guy, huh? And I'm like, oh, whoa, okay, <laughs> I'll back off. I forgot about that. But that was a very that was very telling because that goes back to my point is you can't just say I'm the guy. You can't say this cl- this is my clubhouse. Tory Hunter has it has an intangible that very few people have, and it's fantastic. But when Tory leaves, you just can't have gone to school on Tory and said, well, now I'm Tory. Yeah. Interesting. Um, another thing on Dozier too, and I'm it's like my baseball reference account just ran out, but I saw this on the interwebs yesterday, and we've gone over how bad he is in clutch situations on this show. That's been a thing on this show for a long time, but he is one of the worst hitters in recent baseball history in late and close situations. His batting average in late and close situations for his career is below two hundred, and I think if you're starting to do the math on his hot, cold nature of seasons where he might literally be unplayable for like two months. He's been okay. He's been playable this season. He hasn't been classic Brian Dozier, but there's probably a hot streak in there somewhere. Uh, but there's been a couple first halves where he's been so bad that the team gets in a hole because he's been so bad and he's batting at the top of the order. Um, I think the fact that he's going to wind up making maybe 15 plus million dollars a year and he's 31 years old and... So if if there's a pie chart of why they haven't engaged Brian Dozier for like a three, four, five-year contract extension, it's not that they've engaged and, oh, we're just too far apart. It's that they haven't engaged they with have, him. Right. Absolutely, yes. And that's telling, right? In fact, I'm pulling this up right now here. So so if you look at his just his overall numbers at the end of a season, you'll definitely take them. Like, I'll take productivity where I can get it over a six-month season. If the, if the guy's going to end up with... More home runs by far than any second baseman in the league over five years. Like that's a good thing. So I'm not saying that that he's negative value as a player, but I think there's little things here and there that you look at and say, "Ooh, if I'm going to pay 15 or 20 million dollars, and I'm going to I'm going to make you the guy for the next four to five years, I want great clubhouse leadership. I want not only productivity in general, but I want productivity in situations where it matters the most. Late and close, he's come to the plate. 624 times in his career, late and close, which is, I think, seventh inning or later, and the score is like within one or two runs, whatever the definition is. So 624 plate appearances is about the equivalent of a full season's worth of plate appearances. His average is 194, and he's slugging 310. It's 194, jeez. Only 30 extra base hits in those 624 plate appearances. And an OPS of 603, which is almost, God, that's got to be almost 200 points lower than his just baseline OPS. Yeah. So when the pressure gets, you know, when the collar gets a little tighter and the and the pressure cooker heats up. I mean, that's surprisingly is, bad. He wilts. But they would have they would have traded him if they if they could have gotten the package that they were trying to get a couple of years back. They they would have traded him in a second. Like this was not a we can't trade him. This was, uh, we want to trade him, but we didn't get enough offered in return for him. So there's never been anything about Dozier that that leads you to believe that Falvey loves him. I think he likes him, and I think he thinks he's a nice player ordinarily. Mm-hmm. But if you if you look statistically and if you look at the intangibles, I think they basically know what, what he's going to try and get and have probably said, nah, 
they're not going to do it. And, and I'd rather I'd rather spend that money on a Manny Machado yeah, all and, day long. And I think Dozier might be surprised. I think the market uh, Harper and Machado are going to definitely get paid, and they're definitely going to get long, long term deals. After that, I don't know that that the market from 2017 is going to change that that much in the. Uh, Winter of 2018. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it might be the same. Yeah. Just for fun, I, I pulled up the Manny Machado because he's going to be the prime free agent on the market. And you and I both think the Twins should go after him. Uh, so most hitters see somewhat of a decrease in production when it's late and close because you're just pressing more and you're just trying to be aggressive. And if you're losing, you're trying to you know, you're trying to get on base. Uh, but his his batting average in late and close situations is 80 points higher than Brian Dozier's. He bats 274 in those situations in an OPS around 800. So just a little bit better, huh? Just just a tad. Just a little. Yep. Uh, Intermax has put together some Minnesota sports prop bets and over unders for us to get to. At eleven o'clock, we have home run. Write that down predictions. We haven't done this in in maybe two or three months. We're going to be forcing each other to swing for the fences and write that down. And uh, Dan Hayes, we couldn't get a hold of Murph. He's out in Detroit uh, for for work, so we'll maybe try to catch up with Murph later on in the show. Mackie and Judd. Sitting in the 